0: So my oldest son has a loose tooth, uh, but he has a fear of losing his teeth. And so he showed it to me the other day, and he said, Dad, this tooth is going to stay in forever and ever. And I said, well, son, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Eventually, that tooth is going to come out. And he looked at me and he said, um, where's mom? (laughs) Yeah, it's discouraging to me how often I tell my kids something, and then they say, yeah, I'm going to need a second opinion on that, and they ask for mom, but that's a whole separate sermon. Uh, all right, his fundamental problem is that he is in denial about a principle that we all know, which is that growth often requires loss and pain. Uh, no pain, no gain, right? We know this. We agree with this. We've We've seen this work out. Okay, I heard a podcast the other day, uh, and on the podcast they interviewed this gentleman. His name is Chris Norton, uh, and Chris Norton is the the gentleman on the left, by the way. Uh, And Chris Norton was in a a football accident. He's playing uh, college football, and he was going to make a routine tackle, and he caught a knee straight into the helmet, and it compressed his spine and left him completely paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, and they give him a 3% chance of ever moving anything underneath his shoulders ever again. Um, and yet, he defied the odds, he worked really hard, he did all his physical therapy as hard as he could, and he had the goal of being able to walk across his stage at his graduation from his college three and a half years later, uh, and he was successfully able to do that, and then he had the goal of walking the seven yards at his wedding. And so he's got a book called Seven Yards. He's got a, uh, there was a documentary they made about it called Seven Yards. And I hate to ruin the ending, but he walks the seven yards. Okay. Um, Now you don't have to watch the documentary. See, I just saved you all that time. Right? And he's got a podcast deal and he's got all this stuff. And he's talking about his inspirational story of how he went through all of this pain. But here are all these wonderful life lessons that he got out of it. Here's all of this growth that he was able to achieve in his life because of it. And he's accomplished all these things and defied all these odds. And it's a great inspirational story. And I hear stories like this and they make me feel encouraged. And I'm really happy for Chris, but I don't want to do that. Right? Our real stories aren't always that clean. Okay, not everybody gets to walk again. Okay, some losses are too big, and even if I could get some growth and goodness out of it, I don't want it. Right? Okay, so here's where I'm at this morning. Uh, I don't fear making some sacrifices. Okay, I don't fear having to do some hard things. I'm not afraid of working hard. I'm not afraid of pushing myself. Uh, as Danny talked about earlier, many of us have made New Year's resolutions to do some things like either eat healthier or work out more, and you know that these things are going to be hard, they're going to be difficult, but you know that they will be worth it because the pain and the sacrifice you have to go through is worth the benefits you will receive on the other side, right? Any of you make any New Year's resolutions to do better with something in your life this year? Five of you have made New Year's resolutions to better yourselves this year. Okay, out of the five of you, have any of you still keeping your New Year's resolution? Okay, we got four out of five are, are still keeping it. So, okay, that's not bad. If I ask again next week, I expect it'll, it'll go down. Okay, those kinds of things don't drive my fear. All right, but what we're doing for this week and what we're doing for the next several weeks is we're talking about the things that I'm really afraid of. Okay, we're talking about fear. Uh, And in preparation for this message, I went to the grand source of Facebook and asked for feedback from you and from other people in my life, uh, what is it that really makes us afraid? And these things clustered in several different categories. And so these things are not just my fears. These are the fears that you have told me. And many of those fears were reported to me in private message where you could be a lot more real about what the true fears that motivate you really are. And I think that we need to talk about these things and we need to address these things. And the first and the number one thing that showed up that people fear more than anything else is the fear of loss. I fear losing. Right? Right? Now, there were some specific things that people listed as their top fears, the things that I am personally afraid of losing. I want to talk about a few of those this morning. First thing that I fear losing uh, is I fear losing my family. Right? I like my car. Uh, I like my house. I like my Xbox. Okay? But I know that all of those things can be replaced. And in fact, in the last 10 years of my life, all of those things have been replaced, even the most materialistic amongst us know that stuff comes and goes. Right? If your house is on fire, you don't run back in for your favorite pair of pants. Right? You run back in for your favorite kid. Right. <laughs> okay. I only got one pair of arms, right? I mean, you know, you gotta prioritize. Okay, I'm assuming all of us have done the thing before where you're at home and your family member or your loved one is supposed to be home at 8 and then at 8.05 you start going in your mind through all the terrible things that have probably happened to them. Right? They're lying in a ditch somewhere. There's this terrible car accident. They got hit by a meteorite. Uh, you know, Maybe she found someone more handsome than I am she's run off with that guy. right? And then you realize that the odds are astronomical that she would find someone more handsome than I am. Right? <laughs> Okay, yeah, but what do we do? We worry. Okay, and I know that I'm being funny, but in all honesty, we fear losing our family, right? All right, number next. Uh, I fear losing money. All right, and again, I'm not talking about something like a financial hit. Okay, we've done those. We live through those. We know that those will come and go in our lives. I'm talking about enduring financial devastation. Okay, what if something tragic were to happen to the church here and I wasn't able to find another job? What if uh, some huge hospital stay or some Great Depression came along in our country or something catastrophic left me without the ability to provide food, shelter, and clothing for my family? I don't really have any designs on being super rich. right? I don't need to be part of the 1%, but I really don't want to be part of the almost billion people on our planet who struggle for enough food to eat every day. Okay, I fear that. Number next, dreams. I fear losing my dreams. Right, I know that I claim to only be 29, but as I approach 40, I realize that many of the things that I dreamt of doing with my life, many of the things that I thought were going to come true for me will never come true. Many of the dreams that I had when I was younger, I am putting to bed slowly over the course of my life, as I realize that those things will not happen the way I wanted them to happen. And Now, again, I'm not quite ready for my midlife crisis, but that's mostly because I can't afford the sports car. Uh, I really can't afford the other things that men do in midlife crisis. And I think all of us have had dreams that are more specific than that, right? And I could go into detail, but you've all had dreams you've had to give up on. You know what I'm talking about? That works. And finally, on this list is health. I fear losing my health. One of the things that I've seen a lot as a preacher uh, and a lot as a parent of a medically fragile child is I have seen people struggle with their health up close and personally. And this is a particularly insidious thing that happens to us and our loved ones because all of these other things are external, but when you lose your health, it's your own body betraying you, Right? And, part of the reason I fear this is because I recognize at some level, it's inevitable. Right? Over the course of your life, your body will not work as well as it does right now. Okay? I'm not trying to be a little bit depressing, but for a lot of us, this is as good as it's going to get. Right? Uh, Just, this is not in my notes, this is an aside, but uh, my youngest son, Sam, he got a Nintendo Switch for Christmas, and he was making the little characters, you make little avatars of all the people you want to have play on there, and so he was making a little avatar of me. He goes, Dad, I'm going to make you, like, awesome. Uh, and then he, he's making this little avatar of me on the screen. He goes, Dad, you're pretty skinny. And then he looks at me, and he goes, uh, more like a medium. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, son. Appreciate that. I fear losing my health. I fear the health of my loved ones. And now, there are other things that we could put on this list. Your list might look a little different than mine, uh, but this is probably enough for us today. As I said last week, I know that I worry too much. I know that I have too much fear in my life, but part of the reason that I have so much worry in my life is because all of these seem reasonable to me. right? Are all of these within the realm of possibility? Have we known people who have lost all of these things, or we've experienced lots of losses in these areas ourselves? Right? And I look at Scripture, and I look at how people in the Bible lost these things. I mean, most notoriously is the book of Job, where he lost all of this, right? And what does God do when the most, when the most faithful man on earth is losing all of his stuff? He lets it happen, Right? Okay, and then I think, well, what about those who were closest to Jesus, right? What about his 12 followers who were the ones who actually walked in his literal footsteps? What did they lose? If anything, it seems like following Jesus makes it more likely that you're going to lose these things. So what do we do with this? So last week, uh, we looked at three things that Jesus tells us that we should do to better handle our worry and fear. Uh, and we talked about how a surface-level application of the words of Jesus, if we're just using these phrases that Jesus gives and we're providing them as pat answers to people, that's not very satisfying, right? And what we're going to do with these three things, what we're going to do over the next several weeks, is take these sayings of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at how do we apply these in a deeper, more meaningful way? How do we take these seriously and not just use them as pat, surface-level answers to our real, our real problems, our real fears, our real worries, all right? So here's your review last week. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, about do not worry, do not fear. Okay? First off, he says, worry doesn't help, right? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your day? Remember that? Number next, uh, he says, have more faith. The pagans run after all of this stuff. Don't be a pagan. And number three, he says, if you focus on Jesus, the rest will work itself out. Right? Jesus specifically says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and then what all these things will be added to you as well now this is all good this is all true again i don't want to though leave this at a surface level place Um, and so for us to start looking deeper at this uh, specifically with the fear of loss i want you to go ahead if you haven't done so turn your bible to romans chapter 8 because in romans 8 Paul applies some of these principles to a very real-life situation that the early Christians faced in Rome that caused them a great deal of fear. Now, to get into Romans chapter 8, I want you to remember uh, that Nero is the emperor when Paul writes the letter to the Romans. Now, was Nero a good guy or a bad guy? By every, yeah, he's not just a bad guy, he's a really bad guy. He was notorious for killing people that he didn't like or anyone that got in his way. Uh, He's very famous for having a party at one time where he lit the party. His whole garden was lit up by burning Christians. Um, This is nastiness to a level that we can't even appreciate with our modern politics, which get pretty nasty. So the Christians in Rome were facing a very real threat of persecution, and that caused them a lot of fear. They realized that at any time, Nero and the powers that be around them could decide that the Christians were a bad thing and they, he could stamp them out with a command. Okay, They lived under a fear of persecution. Um, also, and one of the bigger issues throughout the book of Romans, is that the Christians, these new converts to Jesus, are looking at the plight of God's people, the Jews, and wondering, based on their life situation, has God really been faithful If you look at how good the people are doing, who are supposed to be the people of God, and they don't seem to be doing very well at all, has God really been faithful to his covenant? If I want to be doing well in the world, and I look at the people who are supposed to be God's people, and they're doing terribly, and I look at the pagan Romans, and they seem to be doing pretty well, then which camp do I really want to be in? Do I want to be part of the covenant people, or do I want to be one of the pagans? Okay, and part of why Paul writes the book of Romans is to say, no, you don't understand. God has been absolutely faithful to his covenant, and sticking with him is worth it. Okay? There is a fear of persecution, and there is a fear that God has not been faithful to his covenant. All right, So, notice what Paul writes to encourage these people. This is Romans 8, starting in verse 14. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in, what? Fear, again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his, what? Sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, so to a people facing persecution, and to a people questioning whether the faithfulness of God was worth buying into or not, here are the two promises that Paul speaks to them to directly combat their fear. Number one, and if you're taking notes, this is the part that I left you blanks on your bulletin. Write this down. This is getting into the part that really matters for us and how we live tomorrow. Number one is that we have a special relationship with God. Later in our series on fear, we're going to talk more about how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But Paul talks a lot about the Spirit dwelling in us here in Romans 8. It says, if we have been baptized into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we have the Spirit of God inside of us, and we are led by that Spirit. Now, I don't know exactly how that works, right? I don't know what all it means that the Spirit is leading me and guiding me, but I believe that that is true, and that is part of our common experience as Christians. Okay, Paul specifically says that that Spirit frees us from the fear that we used to live in. Okay, Paul also says that the Spirit brought about our adoption to sonship. Okay, We are sons of God. Now, again, Paul is writing to a mixed audience. There's a lot of men and women in his audience, but he specifically doesn't say we're just children of God. He says we are sons of God, and that's not being sexist. That goes along with what he's saying in verse 17, which is the crucial part, and that's the difference between sons and daughters in the ancient world, is that sons get to inherit What you do with the daughter is you marry her off, she becomes part of a different family. But what you do with the son is he gets to inherit everything that is yours. He says we get to co-inherit with Jesus Christ because we've been adopted as children of God Almighty. We are sons of God. Okay, Here's the thing. Uh, Whenever I go visit my parents back in Oklahoma, uh, now I haven't lived in that house in Oklahoma for almost 20 years now. But I still call that home, right? I grew up there. My parents still live there. And whenever I go into my parents' house, if I want a drink, I don't ask if I can have a drink. I walk over to the refrigerator, open it up, and grab a can of Coke, right? I would not do that at your house. Why not? Yeah, I might do it at JJ's house, but I wouldn't do it at some of your other's (laughs) house, okay? I wouldn't presume that at your house because I don't have the rights of a son at your house, I don't call your house my house, but at my parents' house, that's my house. I can get a drink if I wanna get a drink, right? I have rights at that house that you wouldn't have if you went over to my parents' house, okay? Um, In the same way, if you go to my parents' house, you would call my dad Steve or Mr. Chisholm or something like that, right? I don't call my dad Steve. I don't call my dad Mr. Chisholm, okay? I call him dad, why? Because that's my dad, okay, I'm his son. I have special rights and privileges because of the relationship that I have with my parents, because they're my parents. Okay, Paul writes to us and says, we have a special relationship with God. We are sons of God, and that comes with all kinds of privileges, and that that matters. All right, we are led by God's Spirit. We get to inherit as sons. We have a special relationship with God. All right, second promise, and write this down. Uh, Paul says, our future glory will be Amazing. Our future glory will be amazing. Uh, The persecution of Christians that they feared, uh, how they were all afraid that one day Nero would get in in his head to persecute Christians, that happened. It came. Uh, Many Christians would lose everything that they had, even up to their lives. Uh, History slash legend tells us that both Peter and Paul would be killed in Rome. They would both suffer their martyrdom there at the hands of Nero. Peter, according to the legend, was crucified upside down on a cross because he didn't consider himself worthy to have the same death that Jesus had, and so they flipped him. Now, Paul was a Roman citizen, so he didn't suffer crucifixion. Instead, he was beheaded at the order of Nero. They both gave everything. And yet, Paul claims that it's worth it. Why? Because what do we gain? Glory. He says, yes, we go through intense suffering now. Okay, but what do we have to look forward to? He says, our future glory will be awesome. All right, so those are the promises. Uh, I think those are good. I like talking about them and thinking about them. Uh, but tomorrow I have to wake up and I will continue to think about losing my family, my health, my dreams, etc. So, how do these promises help me with my fear of loss? Uh, what do these promises that, that Paul gives us, that God gives to us, teach us that put our losses in a better perspective? Right, right, two things. And again, I left you space to write these down. Okay, but first thing I think we should take from this and, and directly apply it to us is that I can never lose my relationship with God. Okay, if what Paul writes is true, I cannot lose my relationship with God. Now, Uh, Don't hear me wrong. I'm not preaching the once saved, always saved thing. I think we all have free will. If you intentionally decide you want to chuck your Christianity, you can. Okay, what I mean by this is that the world can take away everything from you, but the world cannot take this away from you, right? You may lose your home. You may lose all your money. You may lose your family. You may lose any number of things in this life. But what can you never lose? God Almighty. The Spirit of God lives in us. We call God Father. And if I can shift my focus from the things that I can lose to the things that I can't lose, then it puts my fear in a different light, and it makes this life livable. And if you notice, this sounds a whole lot like, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this will be given to you as well. Right? Right? I think this is the way Paul is very specifically applying the principle that Jesus gave us. And I think this is more meaningful than the pad answer of just seek first the kingdom, right? If we use that just as a one-line pad answer, I think it's insufficient. I think if we dig into it and realize what all that means, then that becomes more than sufficient. Does that work? that makes sense? All right. Second thing is that I can live with hope because I know that better things are ahead. Okay? I can live with hope now because I know that better things are ahead. Uh, when we first moved to Georgia, uh, we got an apartment right down the street. Um, and it was a very small apartment. Uh, but we got it thinking we'd be in there for one year. Okay? It ended up being two years. But we you know, we knew that this was going to be a very temporary thing. Okay? So we put a few things up on the walls. But we didn't really do a whole lot to try to make that too homey. Uh, One, because we had a baby and a four-year-old, and two, because we knew this is going to be extremely temporary, okay? Then we bought a house. How much more effort did we put into the house than we ever put into that apartment? Why? Because we knew that the second one was going to be much more permanent than the first one, right? When you know that something is only going to be temporary, you don't worry about it nearly as much as you worry about the part that's going to last, You see where I'm going with all of this? We suffer a lot in this life. Suffering is an inevitable part of life. In fact, the Bible promises us that following Jesus will require a certain level of suffering and sacrifice. And yet the Bible also promises us that all of that is absolutely more than worth it because we know that it's temporary. What matters is what's eternal. What matters is where we're going. And if I understand what that looks like, then I can have hope. Okay, the gospel and choosing to follow Jesus, it will not spare you from the losses that we go through in this life. But I know what's coming. Right, And I can live with hope that I'll see my loved ones again. I live with hope that I'll one day have a resurrected body that will never fail me. I live with hope that one day I will inherit everything that God has. And if all that's true, I have nothing to be afraid of. All right, at this time in our service, uh, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Um, During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. This is a time in our service where we as the church want to be here for you. We would love to pray with you or talk with you about whatever is going on in your life. Uh, This is really a time in our service where we want to serve you. Uh, And before we sing that song, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace.